Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. Anybody believe that Jesus is alive? Aren't you glad that the story isn't over? The story isn't over for you. So Jesus resurrected from the grave. Now what? Where do we go from here? So the title of today's sermon is simply this, The Rest of the Story. And here's a subtitle, it's important, Resurrection Life in Jesus. The Rest of the Story, Resurrection Life in Jesus. I want you to go with me in your mind, in your heart, to that Resurrection Sunday. The disciples ran to the tomb expecting to find Jesus, and the tomb was empty. And Mary was among one of the followers of Jesus. Her heart was broken. She was looking for the body of her Messiah, of her Savior. The Bible says that she was weeping, and she came across these two angels, and they told her, why do you search for the living among the dead. He's not here. He is risen. And then Mary turns around, and the Bible tells us in John chapter 20 that she sees Jesus, but she didn't know it was him. And Jesus has this exchange with her. And then when Jesus says, Mary, something came alive on the inside of her, and she said, Rabboni, that is teacher, and she recognized his voice. She knew it was him, and she clung to him, and he said, listen, don't cling to me. I haven't ascended to the Father, but go to my brethren and tell them that I'm alive, and Mary finds her way back to the disciples, and I would have probably been like them. They were dumbfounded. They didn't know what to think. They, they couldn't believe what they were hearing, and the Bible says in John chapter 20, on Resurrection Sunday in the evening, Jesus shows up to some fearful disciples who were afraid of the Jews. And he enters in and he says something to the effect of peace to you. And this is where I want to pick up in John chapter 20, verses 21 and 22. Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he says this, as the father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, He breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Say those four last words with me. Come on, together. Receive the Holy Spirit. I want you to picture this because words are worth, uh, pictures, uh, words are worth a thousand. How does it go? A picture is worth a thousand words. Picture this in your heart. Jesus standing there. And he says, as the Father sent me. So he's about to send them on their mission. And he breathes on them. It might sound strange to you, but I believe that the author, who was the Holy Spirit, he had the the writer, John, pen these words. And he was very intentional because he wants us to see that interaction. Jesus literally, he breathes on them. And he says, receive the Holy Spirit. And we should believe that in that moment, they 
receive the Holy Spirit. Now, pause, keep that in your mind's eye, and go with me in your heart to Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, because the Bible says in Genesis that God created man out of the dust of the earth, and man was lying there lifeless. And the Bible tells us that God got face to face with man, and he breathed in him the breath of life, and man became a living being. So here in John chapter 20, it's pointing back to the first creation. The first creation started with the breath of God, Genesis 2-7. Now, listen, now the new creation, we could say resurrection life, begins with the breath of the risen Son and Savior God. Can you see it? Say amen. It's a new start. It's a beginning like never before. Why is this important to catch? It's important to catch because the first creation fell into sin and disobedience. God's plan was messed up. God's relationship with us was broken. So from the very beginning, God had this plan of resurrection life, of a living relationship with a living God to be reinstored, to be reinstated. And we see Jesus the day he's resurrected. He's carrying this new body. He's carrying this resurrection power, this resurrection life. Death, hell, and the grave couldn't keep him down. And he comes up and he breathes on fallen man. He breathes on sinful mankind. And he says, receive the Holy Spirit. Most theologians believe those believers were the first born again followers of Jesus Christ. When he breathed on them, he breathed the Holy Spirit into them. They were regenerated. The Bible says they became a new creation. In that moment, something supernatural took place. Their sinful nature, gone. Their new righteous, right, holy, pure nature was brought back to life in that resurrection breath that Jesus breathed on them. This is important. I want to read some things to you. Don't tune me out. Listen. Most often, the resurrection is used by preachers and theologians alike to defend the historical account of Christ's resurrection and to defend that Christ was God. And while both of these uh, are truthful realities... They miss the most important aspect of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and his purpose for having risen from the dead. The ultimate purpose and objective and hope of the Christian gospel, which was accomplished in the resurrection of Christ, has a much greater purpose than simply getting to heaven and getting a new resurrection body. It is to allow for the restoration of God's life to man in Jesus Christ. Allowing his life to be lived out in our lives now, capital N, capital O, capital W, on the way to heaven. If you agree with that, say amen. See, all Christian theologians agree that there are three main events in Jesus' life. You know what they are? The incarnation, when he became a human being, the crucifixion, and the resurrection. The incarnation was necessary so that the Son of God could identify with humanity as the God-man. Fully God 
and fully man. Jesus had to be fully man because only a man could be tempted and only a man could sin and die. The crucifixion, it was necessary because Jesus Christ had to voluntarily submit to death in order to take the death consequences of all sin upon himself. And finally, the resurrection was necessary to enact the restoration of God's life in man by restorative spiritual rebirth. And that's why water baptism is so significant. We're going to have one on the first Sunday of May. If you've never been baptized, or if you feel like the Lord might be encouraging you to be rebaptized, and there's significant reasons behind that as well, that is an actual enactment of your dead, old, sinful nature going down in the waters of baptism and your new resurrection life nature coming up out of the waters of baptism. It symbolizes what happened to you and I in the spirit, those of us that are Christians. Now listen, it's important to emphasize, listen, that the incarnation, Jesus becoming a man, and the crucifixion are not the whole story. If the incarnation and crucifixion were the only acts of God's favor on man's behalf, then the gospel would come short of the good news. See, God's declaration to man would be, I came, I fixed the problem of sin, you're fixed, now go and do a better job of living than you've been doing. And that's not good news, friend, that's bad teaching. See, the incarnation... And the crucifixion alone serve only to condemn man all the more. Man's greatest need is not simply the forgiveness of sins. It's resurrection life by the power of the indwelling spirit of God. See, Christianity is not a message of merely what has been and what will be. It's the message of what is, capital I, capital S. It is the vital dynamic of the resurrected I am of God who restores the whole of creation, including mankind. See, if we don't understand how the historical event of Jesus' resurrection connects to the living reality of Jesus Christ in us by the indwelling presence of his spirit, then we don't understand the gospel. The resurrection defines Christian faith. 1 Peter 1.3 states that God, according to his great mercy, has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We appropriate or we apply and receive Christ's resurrection by faith which is our receptivity of his activity. The resurrection is the basis of everything that can legitimately be called Christian. It is only by the indwelling activity of the risen Lord Jesus that the dynamic life of Christ continues to affect the Christian. Apart from the resurrection, there is no gospel. 
Apart from the resurrection, there is no spiritual life. Apart from the resurrection, there is no salvation. Apart from the resurrection, there is no righteousness. There is no holiness. There is no hope. There is no godliness. Apart from the resurrection, there is no heaven for us. Resurrection life imparts the life and character of Christ out of himself and into the Christian and the Christian life. Right now, capital N, capital O, capital W. Friend, apart from the resurrection, there is no Christian living. All of God's promises and man's expectations are realized in the resurrection life of Jesus Christ in us. Can you say amen? In us. I know that was a mouthful, but I think every word was full of truth and and nuggets from the Spirit. Here's a life-changing truth. It's the first one on your sermon guide. It's a mouthful. I don't expect you to memorize it, but if you want to, there's two fill-in-the-blank words. Here it is. Jesus wasn't resurrected from the grave just so that I can go to heaven when I die. That's a fill-in-the-blank word, die. He was resurrected so that I can experience new resurrection life while I live. Can somebody say amen? Shouldn't the life of Jesus in you affect you? Shouldn't it change the way we live, the way we see things, the way we see ourselves, the way we interact with family members, the way we interact with people? It should change us. should empower us. So Pastor Robert, so what's the rest of the story? Well, with this new resurrection life from God, it's important that we realize that now we have access to the many benefits and blessings. And I want to focus just on one of the blessings that God gives us in Christ. And in my opinion, this might be the starting point. This might be the main thing that we need to kind of hang our spiritual hat on and step into. And it's the rest, R-E-S-T, say rest. Come on, say it with me, rest. It's the rest that God makes available to everyone who follows Jesus. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty convinced if there's anything that you and I uh, need to learn how to do, it's rest in God. And most people labor so hard at life, work, career, marriage, family, parenting, right, moms and dads, homeschooling, cleaning the house, taking care of the yard, doing your nails, doing your hair, ironing your clothes, keeping up the car. Even our vacations are work. Come on, let's be honest. Have you ever taken a vacation and you get home and you feel like you need a vacation from the vacation that you just took? A relationship with God and a life with our Savior was never meant to be labor-intensive. It was never meant to be something that we have to strive for. Pastor Robert, what are you saying? I could quit. I don't have to parent it. No, no, no. I'm not saying that. I'm asking you to adjust your perspective with me and look at the rest of God 
R-E-S-T, from a biblical perspective. I want to take a few minutes and I want to look in the book of Hebrews to identify what the rest of God is. Then I want to talk about how that rest is applicable for your life today. And then finally, how to experience that rest in this new resurrection life from Christ. I promise we'll be out of here by 2.30 p.m. I'm totally kidding you guys. We'll be out of here by 11.15 at the very latest, okay? So Hebrews chapter 4, and I'm going to jump around a little bit between verse 6 and 7, the first half, and then I'm going to skip to 9 and 11. Now, contextually, my suggestion is that you read the whole entire chapter of chapter 4 to get it, but I don't have time to go through all of that today. But I think what we're going to read is going to get the point across. Hebrews, it's written, nobody knows really who the author was, but he's writing to Jewish Christians who are kind of uh, hopeless, they feel a little persecuted, they're not sure if they made the right decision to follow Jesus, sometimes they feel like throwing in the hat, come on, I'm not asking you to raise your hand, but that's a reality, sometimes we just feel like that. And so the writer is encouraging these Christian Jewish people, and he says in Hebrews 4, 6, and 7, so God's rest is there for people to enter. But those who first heard this good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. Let me pause. This is referring to God's people that were set free from Egypt. They were brought out of bondage. They were brought out of slavery. They were brought out of darkness. They were brought out of poverty. They were brought out of lack, headed towards a promised land. But because they didn't believe the promises of God, the Bible tells us they never entered God's rest. Continuing in verse 7, so God set another time for entering his rest. And that time is today. Come on, somebody say today. That time is today. Verse 9, so there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors just as God did after creating the world. How many remember that? Genesis. So let us do our best to enter that rest. Say rest. Notice verse 7 and 9 again. So God set another time for entering his rest, and that time is today. So there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. Come on, somebody say, I want that rest. I want that rest. Here's life changing truth number two. If you want, fill in the blank. Rest in God is still available today. Say it with me, church. Come on. Rest in God is still available today. Now, I just want to caution us, especially those of us that have been around church or God or Christianity for a long time, because uh, we can miss out on so much if we kind of lean on what we already know and we kind of look at God with this religious perspective, uh, religious meaning, kind of been there, done that, I know this, I know that, and there isn't anything fresh that God can show me or I can experience. We want to be careful we don't miss out, and we don't become just satisfied, just satisfied with using Jesus as a ticket to heaven when we die, and miss out on the rest in God that is still available today while we live. Amen? Don't, don't, don't wait to get to heaven to enter the rest of God. God is saying it's available to now. Now, let me just, let me just uh, introduce this to you. The author of Hebrews, 
he dedicates all of chapter 4 to discuss the rest of God. And in the New Living Translation Bible that I just read from, uses the word rest 14 times in 16 verses. Six of them in the verses we read today. Say rest. Rest. Now, when you look up this word rest in the Greek language, remember the New Testament, though we read it in English, it was written in Greek, right? So I looked it up. Sabbatismos. Sabbatismos. S-A-B-B-A-T-I-S-M-O-S. It's where we get our English word. Come on, say it with me. Sabbath. 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 Ultimately, okay, ultimately, this is the blessed rest from work, toils, and troubles that one can experience through a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Notice I said relationship. Relationship. God isn't this faraway God who's given you the promise to go to heaven, and then he pulls back from your life and my life and just says, do the best you can, son. Do the best you can, daughter. No, 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 no. Jesus was resurrected so that we could step into a life-giving relationship with God the Father. Can you say amen? So important that we recognize that. Rest from work, toils, troubles. One can experience this rest through a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Notice Hebrews 10, 12. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 12. This is what it says about Jesus. But our high priest... That's Jesus, offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. Somebody say, thank God. Good for all time. Notice this. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. That's where he is right now. The Bible says he's seated at the right hand of the throne. He's praying for you. He's praying for me. Jesus is our high priest. Now, let me just explain, just briefly. In the Old Testament, God had set apart, anointed, empowered with his spirit, priests as his representative for people. And and the priests, listen, had to work, had to labor, constantly offering blood sacrifices For the people's sins, so that they could be forgiven and, somebody say and, and experience God's blessings and favor and relationship for another year. This is important because Jesus offered himself once and for all. And the people uh, that Hebrews is addressing is, is talking about the fact that They didn't place their total trust in God, which in their time was a type of salvation in Christ to come being made available to them in the Old Testament. You got to remember this. The Old Testament has Jesus concealed and the New Testament has Jesus revealed. So everything in the Old Testament was a type and a shadow and it was pointing to our ultimate Savior and Lord Jesus. That's why the author says here that there still remains a rest today. And the tragic thing is, if you study this story out, all of those people that God delivered from Egypt, 
on the way to the promised land because of their disobedience, because they didn't embrace God's word by faith, because they didn't trust him totally. They sinned and they wandered in the desert for 40 years. And all of those people died. Anyone 20 years old and older. They didn't enter God's rest. So, Pastor Robert, what, what, what exactly is the rest of God? And that leads me to my third life-changing truth. Here it is. Jesus Christ is our Sabbath rest. Come on, say it with me, church. Jesus Christ is our Sabbath rest. Let me go back to Hebrews chapter 4. Look at verse 10 with me. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors. Listen to this. Just as God did after creating the world. I want you to go back with me just for a moment. Think about Adam, the first man that God created. God's seventh day of rest was, in fact, Adam's first. Adam began his life with the Sabbath rest. God works before he rests, but man must first enter God's rest before he can work. I want you to catch that. The first day Adam took his breath, it was a Sabbath day. It wasn't about work. It was about resting in what God prepared for him. And we got to catch that, church. Christianity doesn't start with a big do. It starts with a big done. Can you say amen? It's not about what I can do. It's not about what you can do. It's about recognizing what Jesus has done. And let me just, let me just share some more things with you. Uh, the key, the key to understanding how Jesus is our Sabbath rest is the Hebrew word sabbat, S-A-B-A-T, sabbat, which means to rest or stop or cease from work. The origin of the Sabbath goes back to the creation. After creating the heavens and the earth in six days, God rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made, Genesis 2.2. This doesn't mean that God was tired and needed a rest. We know that God is omnipotent, literally all-powerful. He has all the power in the universe. He never tires, and he never diminishes his power one bit. Can you say amen? So what does it mean that God rested on the seventh day? Simply that he stopped what he was doing. He ceased from his labors. And this is important in understanding the establishment of the Sabbath day and the role of Christ as our Sabbath rest. See, the Sabbath day was a holy day that God instituted so his people and even their animals would rest and focus on God, be refreshed 
and restored and ready to go back to work for another six days. Now, the various elements of the Sabbath, which we can't cover today, symbolize the coming of the Messiah, of the Christ, who would provide a permanent rest for his people. See, Jesus rested after performing the ultimate sacrifice. Catch this. He sat down at the right hand of the Father. He rested. He ceased from his labor of living a sinless life and giving himself as our sacrifice because there was no more sacrifice to be made. Because of what he did, we no longer have to labor in law-keeping in order to be justified, forgiven, made holy, made right, made righteous to be accepted in the sight of God. And experience the blessings of God, the resurrection life of God in Jesus Christ, our Savior. Jesus was sent. He was crucified. He was buried. He was resurrected, and he ascended to the right hand of the Father that he might become our forever rest through what he provided. Can you say amen? It's so important that you recognize that. Because of what Jesus did, you and I don't have to strive to do everything right and to feel guilty and condemned and, and, and dirty and, and embarrassed and full of shame. We don't have to be that way before God because of what Jesus did. One sacrifice. He forever purged your sin. Past, present, and future. And he invites us into this rest because he is our rest. Remember what Jesus said? I am the resurrection and the life. That word life is the word zoe in the Greek, and it means life from God. Life from God in you. Life from God on you. Life from God through you. Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Come on, you know it. That whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting Life, that's that word zoe. It's not just living and breathing like everybody else. No, this is the God resurrected life of Jesus in you. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Jesus said, no man comes to the Father except through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. This is resurrection life. This is a life that you can lean your whole person, spirit, soul, and body into what he has provided for you because Jesus is your rest. Jesus, think about this. Jesus wants to be your rest from the weight of navigating life on your own. He wants to be your rest from the stress of life that we all experience. He wants to be your rest for the tireless work to try to make ends meet. He wants to be your rest from heaviness brought by the devil and demons. Oh, Pastor Robert, there's devils. Well, listen, the Bible talks about devil. The Bible talks about demons. The, the ministry of Jesus was setting people free and bringing healing and preaching good news, casting out demons, raising people from the dead, spiritually and physically, amen? 
That was the ministry of Jesus. Jesus can be your rest from bad habits and harmful addictions. Jesus can be your rest, listen, from worry and anxiety and pressure and emotional pain and scars from the past. Jesus wants to be your rest that offers freedom, healing, victory, blessing, and breakthrough. In addition to Jesus Christ being your Lord and Savior that gets you to heaven now, capital N-O-W, he wants to be your peace. The resurrected Savior wants to be your love. He wants to be your forgiveness. He wants to be your righteousness. He wants to be your deliverer. He wants to be your friend. He wants to be your example, your security, your sufficiency, your fulfillment. He wants to be your everything. That's the Jesus that we serve. Relationship with Jesus is meant to be life-changing, not life-staying the same. Amen? Okay, Pastor Robert, uh, I don't know, man. That sounds good, but how do I experience, keyword, Jesus Christ as my rest? I mean, that's the point, right? How? How do I do that? I don't have all the answers. I know you know that. I'm saying that so I realize that I don't have all the answers. But the Bible does point us to some. I want to go back to Hebrews chapter 4, kind of backing up to verses 1 and 2. This is what he says. In chapter 3, he talked about why and how they didn't enter the rest and then Chapter 4, he says, Therefore, because of that that took place, uh, since a promise remains of entering his rest, remember, this is Jesus prophetically being declared in the Old Testament that he would be the rest for God's people for all time. Let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. There's something healthy. We talked about this this last week in a reverential fear of the Lord. Amen. We don't want to miss out on anything that he's given us through Jesus. Verse 2, for indeed, listen, for indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. Did you know that the gospel was preached to Old Testament saints, to the church in the Old Testament, the people of God, the called out ones? The gospel was preached to them. Listen to this, listen. But the word which they heard did not profit them. They heard the gospel. They heard the promises. They heard about God. They heard about everything that God had for them. But the word that they heard didn't profit them. It didn't come to pass. They didn't experience it. There were no benefits there that they experienced. Why? Notice. Not being mixed with faith in those who heard it possible to hear a really good message like the one you're hearing right now. Amen? It's possible and to not mix the word that you're hearing with faith. Friend, 
this morning I was up early praying for you, praying for our service, and the Lord reminded me of Isaiah chapter 41. And I believe, uh, it's not in my notes, but I believe he wanted me to share this for someone here today. It says, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. Someone here this morning is weary. You're tired. You've been at this for a while. He says, listen, if you'll wait on the Lord, that word wait is the Hebrew word tikvah, T-I-Q-V-A-H, and it means to wait in expectancy and hope that God's gonna come through for you. The Lord, the Lord is speaking that to someone here this morning. He wants you to know if, if you'll go back and fill your heart and fill your mind with God's promises and revive, let him revive the hope, the joyful expectation of looking to God. He'll renew your strength. He'll give you supernatural resurrection, hope and faith and life to keep going forward. So listen, don't, don't, don't allow what's being said this morning to go in one ear and out the other. Uh, begin to turn on your faith mixers. Come on, anybody got a faith mixer in the house? No, they, they didn't mix what they heard with faith. So, so let's plug them in right now. Let's get our, our faith mixers ready. So here's something you can do to experience Jesus Christ as your rest. Now, uh, I don't want you to miss this. The first thing you got to do by faith, see yourself seated in Christ. What does that mean, Pastor Robert? It's not in my notes. But look with me real quick to Ephesians. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. You can write it down if you got a pen. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1. I'm just going to jump through a couple of quick verses real quick because this is going to help you to see yourself seated in Christ who is your rest. How many of you ever done a, a long, hard days of work? Moms, dads, men, women, right? And you come in, the first thing you want to do is sit down and rest, right? I want you to see yourself seated in Christ. In Ephesians chapter 1, it says this in verse 20. God worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. So Christ right now is seated there. Anybody believe that Christ is seated there right now? Okay, now let me keep going. I'm going to skip to chapter 2, verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved you, even when you were dead in trespasses, he made you alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Listen, listen. And raised you up together and made you sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Jesus did all the work and then he ascended and he took his seat and this says, God, I don't know how in the mystery of God, supernaturally, when you accepted Jesus, when I accepted Jesus through God's mercy and his love, he took your old, sinful, dead self, and he made you alive by the power of the Spirit. And then he raised you up 
spiritually. When Christ was resurrected from the grave, you were raised up in him as a new creation. And then it says that now you're seated in Christ, with Christ in heavenly places. What does that mean? See yourself in the completed, restful, finished work of Christ. He doesn't want you to try to live on your own. He doesn't want you to try to strive it all out. He doesn't want you to be stressed out, burnt out, legalized out, do's and don'ts out. No, 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 no. See yourself seated in that restful place of Christ. He did it all, friend. God won't ask you to do anything that he won't give you resurrection life to do. The work's done. We step in by faith. Here's another thing you can do, okay? You got your faith mixers on? We got to turn on our faith mixers. If you haven't already, this is so important. You have to receive Christ as your rest. You have to receive the good news of Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and his ascension for you so you could be in right relationship. That's a faith mixer. You have to do that. God can't do it for you. He won't do it for you. You have to take the step. Here's another faith mixer, right? Be consistent in gatherings. Be consistent. Pastor Robert, you're just trying to get me to come to church services. Well, yes, of course. The Bible says in Hebrews, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Especially like some people do, especially as you see the day, capital D, of his approaching. Jesus is going to return one day. We want to be ready. Coming to services and gathering, it lifts your spirits. Haven't you been lifted this morning? It encourages you. It strengthens you. It empowers you. You and I were never meant to walk in resurrection life on our own. We're supposed to be part of the family. Here's another thing you can do if, if you want to enter into the rest. If you want to experience the rest of Jesus in your life. This is, this is powerful. Pastor Robert, you always say this. It's true though. Okay. Read my Bible and memorize some promises. Can somebody say amen? Come on, memorize some promises. When the devil's trying to put you through it, you got to have the sword of the word coming out of your heart and out of your mouth and put that sucker back in his place. Because if you don't, He'll bombard your mind, thoughts, depression, discouragement, anxiety, worry, da-da-da-da-da-da. How do you interrupt that? It is written. It is written. It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but man shall live by every word. Come on. That comes from the mouth of God. That's what Jesus did right to the devil's face. You have the authority of Jesus. But if you don't know the word, you don't know the promises. I'm still learning. I'm still growing. I don't know all the word. I don't know all the, but I'm leaning in. Come on, I'm leaning in. Are you leaning in? Do you have your faith mixers on? Here's another one. These are things you can do today. Join a small group. What's that? A small group is where believers get together and they read a scripture and they discuss a scripture and they pray for one another and they encourage one another. They're sharpening one another in the faith and the things of God. Listen, you will not be strengthening your faith by hanging out and doing everything with people in the world. They're not going to help you follow Jesus. I'm not saying to detach yourself from the world. Jesus prayed for his disciples. He said, keep them from the evil one. Don't take them out of the world. Keep them from the evil one while they're in the world. So we're in the world, but we're not of the world. Amen? God needs us in the world to point people to Jesus. 
But if you're spending all your time with him, holy smokes, discouragement, depression, wayward living, the list goes on and on and on. They're not going to encourage you to turn on your faith mixers. Last one, you ready? This is a big one. Make a decision to live for God. That's a faith mixer. What do you live for? You know how you can tell what you live for? Look at your calendar and look at your checkbook. It'll tell you. I'm just being honest. I love you though. Come on. I love you. You know I do. I love you. I want to encourage you. So Pastor Robert, what, what are you saying today? What am I saying? I'm saying, number one, as the worship team comes back to the platform, number one, I'm saying, listen, Jesus wasn't resurrected from the grave just so that I can go to heaven when I die. He was resurrected so that I can experience new resurrection life while I live. Second, rest in God is still available today. And last but not least, Jesus Christ is our Sabbath rest. Come on, say it with me, church. Jesus Christ is our Sabbath rest. It's not a particular day. It's a person. It's Jesus. He's our rest. Stand to your feet as we pray and we close, please. Have you been blessed by God's word this morning, church? Come on, I know across all three of our campuses and online, people are receiving God's word and being encouraged to step in God's rest. Uh, so I just feel like, man, everywhere in our whole family, people receive this morning. But listen, that doesn't mean that we're automatically going to step into this. So you got to make sure, make sure you leave here today with your faith mixers on. Amen. Would you pray with me as we pray and we close? Father, we just thank you for Resurrection Sunday. We thank you that Jesus is alive we thank you for the help of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the word of God, the promises of God. Thank you that resurrection life is in us because the spirit of the resurrection Christ is in us. God, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your love. Help us to experience rest in our rest, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you that you don't ask us to do anything you won't empower us to do. So we look to you today, Father. We thank you for the Holy Spirit's help. We thank you for the Holy Spirit's power. And we thank you for your grace. We love you and we honor you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen, amen. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.